all right guess what today is actually me the damn okay all right there you go strike strike one it is actually me the 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 the, the, the tenth the ninth the eighth the tent it's me the tent it's uh wednesday and um i'm gonna finish the book i'm determined to finish the book all right so full disclosure i'm not finishing the book in kingston jamaica so the last piece and i think i rambled on um and i might cut it out now if for any reason the rambling make it to the final cut it's just me just trying to be transparent but i think that night when i was in kingston i rambled on for a little bit and i was probably keep it keep you know just in a different vibes and it and it probably was a, a, a genuine vibe so i think in all fairness i should leave it even if i was wrong right even if there was i was right or wrong or even if there was some you know um sideways some things that i went sideways with I think I probably should keep it. Um, let me turn down this radio actually because I'm listening to some music in the background here. Um, let me. Because I went for a ride. Um, trying to beat. Trying to, trying to fight this new term that I heard learned. Low heat. Low energy. Apparently, low energy is a, is a real thing. It's a real um, problem. <laughs> so. Um, just trying to fight the low E. I went for a ride on my bicycle. Um, first time out since this new year. And um, yeah, so I think I probably accomplished that. But I have some coffee here in my mug. Kind of cold now because I ride for an hour. Uh, almost an hour, about 50 something minutes. So I'm now going to go ahead and do my. Um, do the ending of Born for Dead by Laurie Guns here in Niagara, in Canada, and in Niagara Falls, Canada, I'm going to be doing it from. Um, I'm not at the falls though, I'm by a creek um, looking out, looking at some ducks, uh, a couple people at some of the benches here. It's uh, May. It feels it felt like winter up to like two nights ago. Or like well, yeah, but it's um it's May the tenth. So they say it's May two four before. May two four before you know that winter is out the door. Alright, so don't put any plants out until two four give you a shout. I did not pay attention, I actually put some plants um, on the deck um, late April and um, I think um, well they are clear they are, they are no longer and I couldn't find any word that rhyme with April that would describe what happened to the plants so moving on um, the, and why I'm trying to rhyme um, <laughs> it's something I realize that people who write they tend to speak in rhymes also and I'm, I hope one day to write to fulfill the prophecy <laughs> to fulfill the prophecy I need to write I've been resisting the prophecy and one of the, 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 the purpose of reading this book was to actually get my brain into a 
into a into a gear for writing you know get some words bring some words to the to the top uh, float the, some words to the top of the all uh, the base in my brain that's in my brain at least float some some um some summary words words that can summarize my thoughts to the top of the brain because usually intellect um um settles to the bottom and bs floats to the top just kidding but or am i anyway reading the book i gone for almost five minutes in so reading the afterward final piece of born for dead by laurie guns and i'm gonna go into it right now let me just go over the last few sentences should i yeah let's go over the last chapter slowly i realized that there was something truly transgressive about born for dead something that really disturbed jamaicans it was not only that the book exposed the reality of the system but it's that its author went down there and not only gave credence to what the sufferer said but eventually came to respect and in the case of brambles trevor and shender to love some of them that was the radical impulse behind the book and it had nothing to do with whether I was sympathetic to one political party or the other. Both of them had their had abundant blood on their hands. That it would have been impossible for me to come out of my pilgrimage with any loyalties or illusions intact. Really. Sorry. Did I sound... Sorry. In, yeah. I understand. It is therefore also, it should therefore also be apparent to any serious reader of the book that its true meaning and its incendiary value lie not with any political partisanship but in my perception of suffocation and my belief in the worth of the lives that bears witness to it. Alright, for this needs to be said. There is still that line of demarcation drawn between the ghettos and the sanitized, respectable, legitimized world of town. I knew that I was crossing this line every time I went into Southside or Warka Hill, and I would cross it again with a vengeance and anger at the class-bound divisions of this Jamaica that I nevertheless loved. I knew that my anger was woefully misplaced and inappropriate. It was hardly right for me, an American, to resent another country's attitudes, but I did. I despised the way the uptown brown and black and light and dark intelligesta intelligentsia refused to acknowledge the truths that percolate from, up from the ghettos. Oh, you will say, this is not true. Look at Bob Marley, a hero of the people. Look at the way we love dance all and the music. But Bob's replendent mean is on, is on a poor system because of the records because of his records, because his records put Jamaica on the world's cultural map, and because he's safely dead. Where he's, where he's still living, the where he's still living, the establishment would cringe before the fire of his vision, or try to manipulate it for political ends, just as it did in life. As for Dancer, which is the redoubtable flow O'Connor of the Jamaica. Oh, as a dancer, which the redoubtable flow of Connor of the Jamaica Council for Human Rights calls IMF music, it, is, it has made Billboard's magazine top 100 
and so no matter how obnoxious its lyrics are to the middle class the performers are undeniable undeniably prophets who have struck it rich in the promised land and therefore find honor in their own despite the occasional admission of one artist or another into the pantheon of money momentary fame and the accompanying appalling toll that the ongoing violence are taken in their ranks the ghettos are still down there the truth they embody still terrify the middle class and except for those sweet Sunday night street dances in Raintown the fortunate inhabitants of Barbican and Stonehill and Mona will never willingly mix with the sufferers but I did at first to research a book and then because I came to understand that I was drawn to this downtown world for deeper reasons. They had much to do with my own history as a southerner, as a white child who had, was partly raised by black folk and therefore felt safe among them, no matter how poor they were. I could not have predicted how this odd conjunction of two different cultures and histories could combine when, would combine when I entered, encountered Jamaica. But combined they did in my heart and mind. And so, even though to my uptown friends the ghettos looked like enemy ground, to me there was something not threatening about them. There was something not threatening about them or the people who lived there. This provides the groundation for answering the first of my two questions. What was the source and nature of the bond between me and Trevor Phillips? What did our friendship say about the possibility of bridging the gap between the worlds of uptown privilege and downtown suffocation? For this is a gap that, if not bridged, will continue to devastate what's left of Jamaica's democratic dreams. As I thought about Trevor in the bitter aftermath of his death, I remember two lines from Othello that encapsulate the depth and improbability of our friendship. Uh, that's a jet ski passing by. Yeah. They occur at the end of a long speech where the Moor is explaining to the Venetian nobles what it was that moved Des Desdemona the white daughter of a senator, to reject her many suitors and marry him instead. He recounts the tales of battles that he would her with, and then concluded by saying, She loved me for the dangers I had passed, and I loved her that she had pitied them. Alright, let me this makes sense, I say what the more say. He said, she loved me for the dangers I had passed, and I loved her that she had pitied them. Before you snort derisively and say that Trevor Phillips was no fellow, that, that he was no great general with a raft of military uh, victories that, to recommend him, before you say that he was more like a general and common criminal who wormed his way into the affections of gullible white of a gullible white woman by playing the anansero think for a moment think of the history now if you hear some noise it's some um some some um hello some um indian folks just stepped up and now going to the waterway in front of me 
um, and they pull in the grandma actually was brave enough to come in front and she pulled in the grandson to put him on in the water and the family is following and it's fine but they could do it a little bit quieter because I was reading anyway yeah go ahead, keep going keep going keep going all right moving forward moving forward moving forward we were talking the thing an answer think for a moment think of the history that he has witnessed and the dangers he had passed through consider that he was in fact a soldier a veteran of the guerrilla warfare that's card yeah let me just do this i'm gonna keep trying there was a baby crying and stuff and so I had to kind of cut it out. Now they have kind of moved down with the noise, but the baby was right in front of me crying, so I kind of have to go over this thing, you know. All right, what was I saying? What was I, I cut that out. Think of the history. <laughs> the baby put on one piece of crying in front, right? <laughs> I had to cut it out. So I'm re re recording over that. Think of the history that he had witnessed and the dangers he had passed through. Consider that he was, in fact, a soldier. A veteran of the guerrilla warfare that scarred Jamaica in the 1970s and a survivor who lived to remember the reign of terror that he had seen. Recall that he was or tried to be a peacemaker as well. One of the few rankings from that vicious time who crossed the battle lines between the two political parties and treated, and treated with the government from both sides. As the chairman of the Central Peace Council in 1978, he tried to keep a truce alive between the likes of Claude Massop and Bucky Marshall. He failed, of course. No one except a prime minister could have succeeded. And we know that the leaders of both parties did not want the truce to, be, to succeed. So remember that this man, this unadicated ghetto sufferer, dreamed of doing something great at one time. Then turn your thoughts to the American scholar who wanted to understand and to chronicle these crucial events, who was determined to be a witness to a history that she, a trained historian, believed mattered more than anything to the future of Jamaica. Who was she? This latter-day version of Desdemona? Even though she and this street warrior were never lovers, only colleagues in a shared mission to reveal a history long denied. It was the chemistry that brought these two unlikely partners into a dance of collaboration which would end with one of them dead and the other living on, needing to explain their affinity to a cynical world. Okay, I, I, I didn't do that the right way. What was the chemistry that brought these two unlikely partners into a dance of collaboration which would end with one of them dead and the other living on needing to explain their affinity to a cynical world the answer is that trevor and i mirror opposites nevertheless recognize one another as kindred spirits he was black and poor and had seen the insides of prison from Kingston General Penitentiary to Attica and Rikers Island in New York. It was in their libraries that he educated himself, reading everything from Nelson Mandela to the Talmud. This man who, as his friend Basil Wilson, a professor of anthropology, once said, could have been someone had he been born somewhere other than Margaret Gully. I is a munisis, I got to remember that word, 
Amanis Amenusis, Amanus, Amanusis, I is Amanusis and friend, was white, middle class, and university educated. I need to remember Amanusis. What does Amanusis mean? Sorry, after. I never come across that word before in my entire life. Yeah, I know. A M A N U E N S I S Amanusis. A literary or artistic assistant. Uh, in particular, one who takes dictation or copies manuscripts. Oh, like when uh, like <laughs> like when the lawyers at um, do them dictation. Okay, that would be a good name for dictating software. Amanesis. I'm write that down. Probably create a AI called Amanesis. The AI that you talk to and it do the work for you. See, I give an idea. If anybody comes with an AI, AI idea, 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 a, a, AI app that <coughs> takes dictations etc put etc so you can expand on that ah man And I, I is a manusis and friend, was white, middle class, and universal educated. One of those, one of those who became someone, to use Basil Wilson's terminology. And yet in Trevor's world, in the ghettos of Kingston, I was a perfect fool, bumbling and inept. The two of us looked at each other across a great divide and saw that our respective skills and realm of knowledge were indispensable to each other. In a way, we traded positions of dominance in this world. I was the ultimate outsider, the know-nothing, and thus he became my tutor. Very soon after we began working together, I stopped thinking of him as my informant and realized that he was nothing less than my teacher. When with, with, with Trevor, I, did, I often derided and apologized for my academic skills, mistakenly believed that they were useless to me on the streets. <coughs> but Trevor valued them as essential, as essential tools they were. He knew that without a scribe, a writer of stories, the story of his own life would never be told. Anthropologists now refer to cultures as oral versions versus scribal. Behind this political correct terminology line lies the bitter fact that in oral cultures, the ghettos are the very definition of that. Every time someone dies, history dies with him or her. Trevor had seen his friends gone down by the police and one another for 40 years. And he knew that without someone from a scribal culture, to listen to hours and days and months of taped testimony without someone who knew enough history to make order out of chaos and to make order out of the chaos and suffering, the lies that had been snuffed out would never become part of written of the written and thus remembered record. Z 
that is our that is that is own precarious existence in closing as it did a wealth of Jamaica's contemporary history might end without any of it being told and so the two of us the historian who wanted to understand the experience so far in her own and the self-educated ghetto ranking whose genius never found its mark came to know the value came to know and value one another I loved him for the dangers he had passed and he loved me that I pitied them I turn to my second question what bearing does this relationship between a sufferer and a scholar have on the future of Jamaica what does this friendship say about the possibility of two worlds Trevor and I of the two worlds Trevor and I represented represented to come together uh, so that the culture of political violence had cast this man's life might be dismantled at last <clears throat> this is what the Rastafari mean by the phrase the healing of the nation and it does not depend upon the foundation of yet another political party as if as if this could cleanse the wounds of the last 50 years instead this healing calls for another way of seeing a revision in the truest sense of the word it would require those at the end of society the so-called political class to think differently about themselves vis-a-vis -vis the sufferers and such a change is difficult to even imagine given the way jamaica has always ordered its politics and its self-regard yet and yet a way towards this collective change must be imagined if the country is ever to resolve the internal divisions and severe contradictions that marks its genuine hopes for change it seems to me looking back over the past half century of nation know that jamaica inherited a particularly vicious legacy from england i do not mean slavery and colonialism and all the other abominations that we are accustomed to speak of <clears throat> i'm thinking instead of the, the chronic obsession with class the way that the poor are devalued as having no political life no history worth writing no voices worth listening to it is against this raft of assumptions that i wrote born for dead when i moved to jamaica I was told over and over again that race was not the dominant issue in the Caribbean as we know it to be in my own country that because of the region's unique dispensation intermarriage the historical importance of a mixed race delight and so on it was not race that dominated the political agenda but class eventually though I learned too much about the subtle hierarchies of color in Jamaica to fully believe this fiction I realized that it was partly true and indeed the most vicious and intractable divisions in the society were around class and that this was why no Jamaican had already written a book like Born for Dead. <coughs> no one writ had written it because no one thought about the that the sufferers mattered enough to be worth such a book. For this is really the nastiest legacy of colonialism this entrenched belief that only the rich the literate the, the metropolitan minded only the ones who attain to the birthright of that england which linton quasi johnson so rightly call a, calls a bitch only they matter a bitch only they matter 
I had, have a, don't have a clue what I just read. So. For this is really the nastiest legacy of colonialism. The entrenched belief that only the rich, the literate, the metropolitan-minded, only the ones who attain to the birthright of that England which Linton Johnson so rightly called a bitch, only they matter. Okay. That they were the only true political class and somehow the rest, the ones who live below crossroads, are like India's untouchables. politicians behave as they do, accountable to no one. For it is not really so much to ask that we speak the true true names of politicians who murder their own people. Pause, phone call. Man, trying to finish this book is like running a long relay. Jeez, another call just came in, but let me try to finish this in. Um, da, 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 For it is not really so much to ask that we speak the true names of politicians who murder their own people, that the identities and crimes of their mercenaries be revealed, as Trevor Phillips dared to do. It is not unthinkable that political violence be spoken and written about openly, debated without those who speak out being afraid for their lives. But none of this can happen and therefore neither can tribalism end until the ghetto poor are counted as members of Jamaican society and their voices are heard. They are, after all, the vast majority. majority. They can be no solution to the problem of political violence until the lives of the sufferers are seen to matter in the, to the lives of the rest. This is not a matter for politicians to decide. It is a shift in the collective thinking of a people but first, it must occur in individual hearts and minds. Trevor did not leave me with many tangibles to remember him by. <clears throat> I once had some wonderful color Xeroxes, pictures taken of him backstage with Bob Marley at the One Love Peace concert in 1978, April 1978. But I gave them back to him years ago and now they are gone forever. Only two photographs remain. One was taken by his friend Gaddafi in Brooklyn on the night we met, and the other from the party I gave in New York to celebrate the publication of Born for Dead. I remember how reluctant Trevor was to come out that night. He was unsure of himself and felt that he would be ill at ease with editors and writers and such. But I pleaded with him. There are so many people who have yet to meet you in those pages, I told him, and say it would be honored to meet you in person. <clears throat> there are so many people who have met you in those pages, I told him, and they would be honored to meet you in person. I'll pass by, he promised, but only for you. I arrived just before midnight wearing an electric blue skirt and a black leather jacket. Sorry. He arrived just before midnight <laughs> Wearing an electric blue shirt. You see how oh, your mind can play things for your cars. I thought it was a lady, so I see shirt and I think skirt. But now that I'm realizing it's Trevor, Trevor now wears skirt, Trevor I wear shirt. Anyway, 
I'll, I'll pass by, I promise, but only for you. He arrived just before midnight wearing an electric blue shirt and a black leather jacket. His new dreads tucked up into a knitted tam. He was an extraordinarily handsome man. And that night, he was radiant. Within minutes of his, after his arrival, he was surrounded by a small group of editors from Henry Holt, all of whom felt they knew him. They began to ask Trevor about Jamaica, about his life there and here, about his hopes for the book. He spoke so softly that everyone had to lean forward to catch his words, and curious silence fell over much of the room as other gaggle of talkers fell silent to listen. I stood aside, watching Trevor's present command the room, and I thought of Basil Whistle had said about him years before. In the photograph that someone later that night took later that night, I'm in profile, looking up to Trevor's face and beaming. You cannot see his eyes because he was smiling down at me, but you can see on his face a combination of awareness and elation, an expression that says, we have done this book together, no matter what happens now, my story has been told. The picture is sitting on my desk and I gaze at it many times in the course of the day, but I cannot summon back the sound of Trevor's voice, his cadence and the way he perfected his own particular patois. I am left with death, deep quiet and memory of a voice permanently silenced by the violence that mocks us still. Alright, so I have ended the book and I didn't even realize that I was coming up to the end. So while I'm ending, a um, couple things I'm two little kids just kind of ride up and they're gonna make a little bit of noise in the water. Apparently I've picked a spot where everybody loves to come to the water's edge. Alright, but I'm going to read this last chapter, or not last chapter, the last paragraph over because I didn't even realize I was coming to the end. She's talking about the picture that was taken. The picture is still of Trevor and her. The picture is still sitting on my desk. And I gaze at it many times in the course of the day. But I cannot summon back the sound of Trevor's voice, its cadence, and the way he had perfected his own particular patois. I am still left with death, deep, quiet, and the memory of a voice, permanently silenced by the violence that marks us still. And that ends Born for Death, the last chapter here, the afterword, 261 pages read. Um, before I go off on my bubbles, let me just go with my thoughts quick and fast. First, as I read the end of the book, and I see the heart of Laurie Guns. I want to say she did an amazing job. And why I say that is this. She hit the nail. As I'm reading the book, I have to wonder to myself, how many of us really want our story to be told? And she did Trevor uh, honor in telling his story because I want my story to be told, if I should be frank and honest. I've always wanted my story to be told. Early in life, when I thought I was at a point where, I wanted, where my story would be impactful, I would have wanted it to be told. Now it's kind of the older you get, the less impressive your story is to you anyhow. Um, and that is one of the things with early death. Early death kind of encase you in that moment, your prime. 
one of the things a friend of mine was talking to me and he was saying something to the effect that during the rapture and whether I believe in the rapture or not, this is not the debate for it. Um, after the rapture, da, 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 and the, the years and the, thing, and the, re, the, 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 the reincarnation of those who are raptured are going to heaven or the life in heaven that how many Christians um, look forward to is that they will be reincarnated in the bodies their current bodies but in their prime sometimes when you capture someone in a story in a book in their life and you capture it and they then um, made a transition from this world in their prime so it's almost like to be frank and honest if I, it's almost like doing them a favor Bob Marley died in his prime imagine an old Bob Marley Look at Ari Belafonte. I mean, he did a lot, but Ari Belafonte died at 90-something. But if he had died young, he would have probably been a legend. Or they would have forgotten about him. I guess it depends. But you have people who end up dying in the prime. I remember my brethren, Roger. If someone had just written a story about Roger, Texas, that would be a book. He died at 28. You understand me? But the only people who can tell Roger's story is probably myself and a few others who knew him and saw him for who he was. You know, saw the, 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 the caring, compassionate virgin who then sometimes can be so um, ruthless, you know, because I would call it ruthless when Roger um, um, <laughs> tell me that now is the time I need to learn to fight for myself. Now is the time which was when I had picked a fighter when I was being um, um, tracked down by this guy called Madhu. And Madhu was this guy who was uh, barefoot, ride bicycle barefoot. They ride a one speed Fitzwheel bicycle barefoot. And Madhu is a madman. I mean, him, the man, he has no fat on him, just and, and thick. Thick, like like common fall tick you know like a common fall tick when it common fall tick like a common fall right and 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 can chew stone straight yes he chose stone as if he's firing a gun right accurate no bazooka thing i mean a m16 or one of them big rhino guns when he chose a stone and and thump hot and i can tell you so the thumps were hot and it's when Madhu and I fighting, Roger takes us, turn to me and say, like I said, Roger, jump in your time. Roger said, ah, time you learn to fight. <laughs> and I'm like, for yourself, and I'm like, oh crap. And did I learn? I learned to fight for myself, but I also learned to get a beat up on my own. Good asking. But I think I, 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 I did well. It wasn't like a first round knockout. It took a couple rounds. Um, and battered and bruised then you know and i get enough kick and thump and i realized that every thump i thump this man it was like thumping a tree i mean it was like punching a tree a tough tree what they call what the lingnum vitae tree it's like i was punching a lingnum vitae tree a whole lingnum vitae tree when i punch this guy it wouldn't even move it would be better to punch a tree because at least the tree would probably shake this man wouldn't shake you understand me so you know, I would write the story of Roger, the ruthlessness of Roger, but he was a loving youth in terms of loving. I mean, loving to his family. He would do anything for anybody. He, he, he cared about people. Um, humble, jokeify, always laughing. Um, you know, look out for the underdog. He was, he was one for the underdog. 
that was Roger. Humble, very respectful, very respectful youth. Yeah, man, yeah, man, very respectful youth. But then the police killed him. And because his parents had flown to the States and to look a better life and leave him on the streets, yeah, my mom. And he went into the, the whole crew, at Stepper crew and the. Washington DC crew and the DC crew and start leading his own thing and the police decide that they have to finish him and that was it so the life 28 but at least this canonized is not this old man calling you and say yo send a thing which is another thing when they get to this age now and if a man is in Jamaica and you are away it's like yo send a thing no matter how much you looked up to them as a youth growing up once they are still in Jamaica and you are here, it's, you get this constant phone call to send a thing, or send a what do you call it here? This 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 prescription need to fill, a prescription to fill, you know, a prescription to fill or a school fee to pay, and you send and you send and you send, but it's like it it's never end, right? So that kind of take away the shine. So sometimes it's best someone just go in them. Prime. Um, Bob Marley, talk about Bob. But before I go on the Bob Marley thing, Larry Guns, I think, did an awesome job. I was indifferent a lot. I have my own indifferent, jaded feelings about the whole situation. As I sit here in Canada, and even went for a ride a while ago, and I, you know, you, 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 it might be a paranoia, but you, you never feel like you, and, and you'll never be. It's rightfully so. This is not my. This is not my, 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 my place. I don't feel that way. I mean, the earth is our place, yes, but this is not my spot on earth. And, um, and, 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 it, and that's a fact. So I've never felt comfortable here. And the fact is, society has made it so for the most part. So I am jaded person. But when I listen and read and see where Laurie Guns was in her mind when she wrote this book. I can say she was she wrote this book <laughs> pre-COVID, pre-corona, pre-whatever that pandemic was that we still suffering from the world will never be the same. Because this is what I want to say. In the book, she rightfully identified a lot of the problems in Jamaica, which has to do with the political system and the division and she talks about the colorism in jamaica which i myself never knew exists until i till as till i probably moved to canada and start looking back and then start moving up in society certain way in quotes and start realizing that but correction and bob marley he was a great singer, a great artist and all of that and probably would have been just as famous. But remember Bob Marley's father was a white man. Bob Marley himself came from a privileged class. Don't, don't get it twisted. If you're in the ghetto and you're, and you're light-skinned, at the end of the day, you're still light-skinned. No matter what Bob Marley wants to ball about, at the end of the day, Peter Tosh wouldn't have gotten the goal where Bob Marley get. Because Peter Tosh, a black man, and the rest of them, um, 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 Bunny Wheeler and all the rest. There's even some, some guys who were... Uh, it, it, was there a light-skinned man in the back of the band? That if there was one, you are guaranteed you wouldn't know about him? He wouldn't have his own little thing? The fact is, the this, this skin color 
thing with Bob Marley was part of his privilege. Believe it or not, it's hard to say, but it's the truth. Um, and, 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 and look at the generations coming down. Laurie, if you want to see it, see the, the generations of Bob Marley, you'll see how many of his sons have taken on white women. No disrespect to them. I, I will never say they should have taken on a black man just for the sake of it. But how many of Bob Marley, you, them, have taken on a light-skinned woman for their spouse and propagate light to white children? Right? So, at the end of the day, even Bob Marley himself come under that. It's part of that. Nothing wrong with it, you know, guys. But at the end of the day, there's a subconscious to it that might one day become explored. You know, you explore it and you figure it out. At the end of the day, there is that privilege that comes with the tool of your complexion. And, and, that, and that's a fact. Right? So, we're not going to go around that. We're not, we're not going to... Hello? We're not going to... We're not going to ignore... Oh, sorry? Oh, no problem. Oh, yeah. Right. So, we're not, we can't go around that. Um, we're just um, going to make that a fact. So, there is that. There is that. Now, again, as I said, this book was written um, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, global pandemic. So, but at that time, a lot of us considered our national problems local national jamaica problems was just jamaica problems we can fix them if we fix we i don't know if anyone else and i know a lot of people have noticed but some won't even call it that post-covid every country every nation coattail to some invisible hand it want to see every leader coattail to some invisible hand so the economies and the social structures have nothing to do with how they are locally because there's an invisible hand. There is some global movement, it seems, that we all are working in conjunction with and we all have a role to play. So our local fixing is not going to fix anything, frankly. And frankly, a lot of that still has colorism, race playing a major role in who are who is at the head of that table or who makes the decision. You understand? We don't know. We don't know. But at the end of the day, pre-COVID, we, we consider that our problems could be fixed by us locally. Post-COVID, we are grass and the elephants are fighting all right so at the end of the day you can i know i sound jaded answer but that's what i feel but we still need to do certain things you know and and, and but calling out a politician check it this is what i'm trying to say you can call out a politician for shooting someone in the face and if the invisible hand are the people who decide that that politician is needed because he aligns with what they want that politician will only become more popular the media will ignore it or play it or put a spin on it so there is no the journalistic the 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 the, 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 the journalistic impact that could have that that was 
hype. A lot of us don't see it anymore. It's all about an agenda. Does this fit with the agenda? So if this politician coattail is, is part of the agenda and is critical to what needs to be done and we don't know what the agenda is, uh, critical to the message that the people want out there, then he can actually act with impunity. He can do anything. He can be as corrupt and his name can be called up with any gangster about anything. Nothing nowadays is a crime unless the media and the people accept that. It's almost like currency. We, we are going through a stage now where just like currency, the, 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 a $10 bill isn't worth more than a $5 bill or a, 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 a $1,000. Well, a $100 bill isn't really worth more than a $10 bill based off the paper that it's and the amount of effort that's made to make it. It's just that because the 100 is on it. We all accept and agree that this is the value of the piece of paper that we're using, that we're trading. It's the same thing. People is almost like we're recreating or redefining what's crime, what's criminal, what's corrupt, what's not, who is good, who is bad. We're redefining good and bad, frankly. And we're redefining what we should be outraged about and what we shouldn't. We, right before our eyes. And I see, you see it so much more since COVID. They used to say it was from 9-11. Some people say it started in 9-11 and those times. But, and I wonder sometimes if it's just getting older and getting more jaded as you get older. But frankly, um, I, I go on that tirade to say that I don't know if we can fix our problems by talking about which politician doing what, which politician is corrupt, who is doing what. I don't know if that will ever fix Jimmy because the problem is bigger than that. If it doesn't fit with the agenda, then nobody cares. And whenever you talk, you're supposed to give examples. There's so much example. I mean, the other day I was looking at, and I don't say Warmington is a bad man, but I saw Warmington cussing off somebody the other day. Said, I don't want you to be a part of my thing. And I'm like, when is it that a politician is so big and high and mighty? that him can cuss off people just like that and say, I don't want to be a part of this. And I see where we have, and what I'm going to start calling him because I'm not going to call anybody else's name. I see the, the fights inside the, the, the PMP. And I see where during the fights in the past, so many things were disclosed, so many corrupt things. I saw, we have this, <coughs> this, um, this thing with the, this company. Jeez, what's the name of the company again? Um, the company that, that, that they stole Hussein bought money, right? Um, let me see, let me just google it quick and fast so that it's there for, for the right. And then there were other people being implicated as owners and CEOs, and the fact that the company Hussein bought they have been acting this, this stock trade, this trading company, this Hussein bought money SSL. Right, and they have been SSL have been as robbed the Hussein Bolt, and they're trying to make it look like it's just the lady Pantan is the only one who has been doing all the crime. And so many other people named got called up, and then it poof, it disappeared. You know, nothing. They're going after this lady who is sick, and I know a lot of people think that she's pretending, but there's a history that says that she has been sick for a while with that walking thing. It might have some of it might be acting. 
a lot uh, clearly. I mean, if 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 she thinks she'll get compassion, then clearly she's gonna act, act it. She's gonna play play along with that. Um, clearly, she's not getting the compassion. But the fact is, she alone wasn't the one robbing and doing the corruption. There's there was talks about the prime minister having a part of it and selling his stocks early and this, that, and the other. The corruption is right before the people face, and you can't do nothing about it. Nothing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nothing. The only funny thing about it for me, or the redeeming thing, if that's the right term, is that that's the life I've lived. I've lived a life where it has never been fear to me. So now that the lack of fearness is meted out to a wider audience, it's kind of funny. Not funny, it's depressing, but for me, it's like, yeah, welcome to my world. Welcome to my world where you expect, and as you see it, as if people close to me, when they see the things, happening are are manifesting in front of them and and they're like why is that da, da, da? and i'm like <laughs> you know like they're like they're they're they amazed they're calling it out and i'm like uh, with my jadedness and indifference i'm like did you expect any different do you not see the world we live in why are you surprised you know so i've become decent towards a lot of the things I think but I am dumb enough to know that I'm stupid and there's a lot and I'm inexperienced and there's a lot of things that I don't even know I'm dumb enough to know that there's a lot that even the things that I think I know I may have to unknow and unlearn so I go off on that tangent to address the fact that Jamaica is not on its own in fixing itself because Jamaica is not on its own it's not up to Jamaica alone I believe because Jamaica is not on its own in getting into the shit or the problems or where we are the world has played a role in it the US has played a role in it the British monarchy has played a role I'm not talking about colonialism the economists the IMF the the prime ministers the leaders the the CARICOM, the the the, the 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 mayor of Boward County in, in Florida, <laughs> you know, the, the, a lot of people has played a role in the challenges that Jamaica as a society faces between the sufferers and the uptoners and, and there's a there's a line now. There's no there's there's no real it's funny because we talk about the sufferers, but that line has kinda blurred. What I find, because the sufferers not suffering as much as you would have said one time because of money and so the sufferers can live uptown and live in big house now and live. Remember, so Jamaica is not only about Kingston, you know, and St. Anthony, you know. What about St. Thomas? What about out in um, St. Saint, Saint, Saint Elizabeth, where they killed a, a lady, a, a, a shop owner the other day, I don't think it's a lady. Where, but you start seeing the, crime, the crimes in the countryside. No, we can't always say is the people them run from the city and go to the country go commit crime. Some of it is right there, born and growing in St. Elizabeth, man chop off, man head. Where that have to do with who live below crossroad? At the time, it was right. And in that time, in that, in that dimension, Everything in Barnfordhead is spot on, and I actually, I, I sincerely respect where where where, where Lorigans went, and I even more so respect 
um, that she told the story of Trevor Phillips because I didn't even realize that we were going down there, but she insisted on us paying attention to Trevor Phillips. I was guilty of ignoring Trevor Phillips, even as a sufferer myself, because I guess his story wasn't important enough. But Laurie Guns was insistent on making us pay attention to Trevor Phillips. And in the end, we realized that that is what Barnfield is about, the Trevor Phillips story. And funny enough, I read the book before, and it's towards the end of the second read that I start paying attention to Trevor Phillips. So, you know, I have to tell, uh, if anything, I can say Laurie Guns, Trevor Phillips, What's the name? Desimona. Desimona has done great for, what was his name? The Moor. <laughs> I think I got that. But anyway, a fish. Oh, that's cool. Oh, my phone is ringing. I'm going to wrap it up because I think the boss is calling, a.k.a. the wife, a.k.a. my empress. But before I end, because this is the last, and this book called Born for Dead by Lorigans, I think there's something I need to say, but I don't know what it is. But I think I want to end on a note of gratitude and on a note of thanks and a note of positivity. Um, I think I went uh, and tired of a little bit of hopelessness to say, you know, that our problems cannot be fixed. You know, the other day I was in Jamaica and I was saying, you know what could fix Jamaica problem? A week of love. No, not, 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 not physical love. I mean love where you are forced, if you're going to a bus, you must say good, good evening, good morning. If you, if, especially the cashiers and the, 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 the front-facing workers, they have to, have to be um, kind to, to patrons. No more um, cashiers giving people bad face and bad look. A week of love. You know, you love your brother, you love your sister. When I say love, I'm not talking love your brother, your sister, your family, but love, love your people. A week where every Jamaican must just express love. Not a Christian, religious kind of thing. No, don't go to people, but, oh, God bless you and all of that. Hello, yeah, we bless each other, but don't go to them and say, love, come to church. No, just go, just love them for who they are. Whether they are Christian, Muslim, whatever they are right and you know atheist rasta just love uh, that i was thinking that that if people practice loving each other at the very least who might not fix the economic state or what have you initially but at least it will fix the state of violence between each other that we can probably take down a notch because love naga cook put pot pan fire naga put cook your food but love might make people talk reason together and strategize as to how we can attack some of our own economic problems and, 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 and at, at, a, at a grassroots level like you know you have a, a acre land over there so where i dare not venture me i grow me i raise some goats over here so and some chickens there so how if we do this thing collectively and true love we share we barter and we feed each other and what we don't have, what we need, a currency to acquire. We, go, we, we, we try to exercise or, or, or at least exhaust a couple avenues before we start shooting up beryllium security guards and dressing like security guard to 
rob jewelry stores and killing people in bars and so on and all of that. Before we resort to that to eat our food, we, we, we try to figure out, figure our way out. So I think love is the, is the way, and all I want to end this is just saying, God bless all. God bless everybody as I stand here, anybody hearing the voice. God bless you. Nothing, I'm not talking about a Christian or a religious God. I'm just talking about God, the God in your heart, the God that you, you worship, the God that you pray to, the God that protects you. Bless and keep you. And I'm going to say thanks again, Lori Gunn, to the book Born for Dead. And I'm going to close by saying, Jobless, one love.